Welcome to the Mirror Stage podcast, where we explore the Pacific Northwest through the stories and experiences of the people and its communities. Hello, everyone, and welcome in. My name is Kiki Dominguez, and my pronouns are they, them. Hi, my name is Hazel Gibson. My pronouns are she, her. So we are in November. It is technically November 1st when we are doing this recording for you all. So Halloween has just happened. Hazel, how was your Halloween? It was pretty good. Pretty good. Yes, I'll say pretty good. Not the best Halloween I've ever had because I've had a lot going on. So there wasn't a lot of prep, Mm -hmm. but still managed to have a good time. I, I have this purple wig that I got a couple years back in Seattle and so I kind of try to use it every year now because purple's my favorite color. And um, I'd had my eye on this character named Leela from Futurama because once I Googled characters with purple hair for Halloween costumes and, uh, and she popped up. So I finally did that this year and it went all right. The makeup crunch time was real though because I was trying to get to a costume contest to win money because the first prize was $100 for TV characters. Nice. That was real sad because the band, who was the judges, picked three costumes that weren't TV characters, at least to my knowledge. I'm pretty sure they weren't. Can I ask what the Um, characters were, if you remember? Or was it just a blind rage? You were like, I'm done. Uh, It it wasn't a blind rage. Well, yeah, storm out. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I should have, actually. I think the person who won was hell in a handbasket. And so this lady was in a basket, but attached to the basket were the arms and the body of like, like a grim reaper looking. So it was a terrifying costume, but I was like, I'm, I don't think this is from a TV show. Maybe it is. Maybe I just don't know enough TV, but I was, I was a little, I was a little sad, but I still had a good time. Good. What about you? This is your favorite holiday i think most of news have picked up on that by now we've kind of talked about it a lot so much so that we need to branch off and start a separate podcast about halloween and scary movies <laughs> yes. and, and movie reviews in general but um pray tell what did you do what did you dress up as um it was pretty fun i dressed up as tigger i was tigger for halloween because I had to do some work earlier in the day. So I was like, this would be a fun costume to like go around and see all the kids that I get to go hang out with sometimes. So I did that. And then we carved pumpkins. The people in my house are not a big fan of this level of scary that I engage in. So I had to curate something that is on their level. And we ended up watching Troll 2. I don't know if the listeners or anyone here has seen Troll 2, but is a sequel to a it's an 80s movie and it is awful and it it's so bad that there's a documentary about it called the best worst movie ever it's a whole thing hazel don't worry i will send you all of the youtube links so that you can see what i'm talking about and yeah so i carved pumpkins i carved a spooky tree pumpkin and then we also of course watched some walking dead because fun fact for you all it was 2010 halloween was the premiere of the walking dead with 6.5 watchers. You're right. We really do need a separate podcast for this. So I will will move (laughs) along. But it was fun. And then I made a fun cocktail. I made a cocktail called a Monster Bash. And it was very fun. So that was my Halloween. Yeah. Excellent. Sounds like a a good time. 
It was. It was a graveyard smash, some might say. Sorry. I'm quoting Monster Mash at you. <laughs> I, I, yes, I picked up on that. That was very, very good, very subtle. <laughs> but what else? What are we looking forward to? What's happening? What's happening? What's going on, Hazel? Any plans you coming know, up in November? You know, not really. Just sticking to the old grind because that's the life right now. I do have some sad news for the listeners. I will be concluding my time with Mirror Stage come the end of December. That'll be my last month. And uh, you'll be meeting the new podcast producer today. But yeah, I've just, I have some, some life shifts happening and some change of focus. And I need to be a little bit more free for some other things coming up. So I will unfortunately be bowing out as, uh, as your co-host. I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you. This has been fun. Well, and I think that this is a good episode for people to meet everybody and for us all to chat as a group. And then we get you for one more for December as your swan song. So it'll be nice. But we have a fun event that's coming up. We have the the gala, which will be a fun thing that we can all get to party. And like we've been saying, you are going to be performing in it. I'm going to be performing in it. So it's kind of like we're doing a play together. Kind of. I, I know. <laughs> finally. I mean, and I, you asked if I had plans in November. I was like, ah, stupid. The gala. It's just weird because I'm in it. So I, but yes, those are my plans. Those are the, probably the biggest plans I will have <laughs> this month. They should be your plans, you as in the listener. So join us November 20th, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We're going to celebrate 20 years. We're going to be doing scenes from the top 10 shows from the past 10 years as voted on by our patrons. Tickets range from 20 to 100 bucks. If you're an alumni artist or in the industry, they're only $20. So come on down. Um, everyone's going to be getting goodie bags. I'm going to encourage people to make lots of festive drinks at home. And I think it'll be a good time. Good evening. It will be. And it's like early in the like evening slash afternoon. So like 5 p.m. is a good start time because y'all can come in, hang with us for a little bit. And then you still have some time in your evening to do anything else that you want to do. Maybe you wanted to stay on the Zoom call and celebrate with us for longer. That's cool, too. And that will be an option. So I hope you'll be joining us. Um, and there's fun games. Hazel's yes. been preparing a fun game. Hazel and I are going to lead a game. Mm-hmm. And we've got bingo. That's new for us. I'm really excited. I wish I could. I don't think we're allowed to play the bingo game, but you can. You, the listener, come play bingo with us. And you can win tickets to Chagrin Falls. Correct. It's going to be Mirror Stage first fully staged production in quite some time. The script is incredible. This play, it's not only just like a great play, but the ground that is covered in this play in terms of like issues in society, unreal. So I'm personally like super stoked for this production. It's going to be awesome. So come to the gala, win bingo. I hope you're good at bingo and win free tickets. If you're not, then you should just buy tickets and come see Sugar in the Falls anyway, because it's going to be a big deal. 
it is going to be a big deal. And we'll be talking about it later on in this season because I am working on it. I'm dramaturging for it. So I've already read the play so many times. And just like every time I read it, I'm like learning something new every time. And I just have more questions about things. And I really go down a rabbit hole. So I'll have to be taken out of that to get <laughs> less specific about some of the questions I have. But there's a lot of interesting things in it. And so I look forward to everything we're doing with it and um, our pre-show lectures and the, the people we're going to have at like talkbacks and stuff like that. I think that'll be fun. Yeah. This is going to be a layered event very much so. And if, if you attended our gala last year, we did a reading of it, but just, just the stage reading alone, it was so this work, it just pulls you in. I just think it's so intricate. All the characters are so visceral, so real, so complicated, so delicate. I'm just super impressed and I'm, I'm super excited to see this show done. So I think we mentioned that you are going to meet the new podcast producer, Ty Karius Cummings and Cien Mendez. Ty specifically is taking over the role of podcast producer. Cien Mendez, who has been with us just over a month, is our new external relations assistant. And so we wanted to get to know them a little bit more and give you the opportunity to meet them as well. Yes, and we haven't all had an opportunity to just kind of chat and get to know each other. So this was a good opportunity to do that. And so we hope that you enjoy learning a little bit more about them. As always, if you ever have any questions and you're curious and you're like, hmm, I wonder this about this person on staff, email me and I can let you know and we'll chat. And if you have any questions for our new podcast producer, you can send them my way at what is my email? My email, kikid at mirstage.org. I thought you were actually asking. I was going to tell you, but it's <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> so yes, listeners, I hope you will join us in welcoming them. You'll see them at the gala. So that's just another million reason to come to the gala. Like it's, it's a big deal. Um, if you cannot, for whatever reason, it is virtual. It's virtual. Um, but if you cannot for any reason, if you are liking the podcast, if you like anything that Mirror Stage does, please um, consider donating at our website, mirrorstage.org, or you can text Play It Smart to 206-888-6477, spelled out, that's 206-888-M-I-R-R. And as always, if you are liking the podcast, please rate and review on any platform that you're listening on. If you can, you can also go ahead and subscribe to our podcast, and then it will update you every month when we post it out in the world. And with all that, I hope you'll enjoy our conversation with our new staff members, Vicarious Cummings and Cien Mendez. All right, well, let us start off with having you introduce yourselves to our audience. So go ahead and say your name, pronouns, and the work you're doing with Mirror Stage. My name's Tykarius Cummings. I go by he, him pronouns, and I'm our podcast producer. Hi, and I am Cien Mendez. I use they, them pronouns, and I'm the external relations assistant. Awesome. Thank you so much. New staff members, welcome to the show. <laughs> welcome to Mirror Stage. Cien, I know you've been with us a little bit longer than Tycarius, but we wanted to start off by asking you, what is your origin story? And this is for us to get to know you, for our listeners, 
and you can interpret that however you like. We've asked that a couple times on the show. If that for you is like from birth to where you are right now, <laughs> um, go ahead and take that spin on it. Otherwise, if it's just for like theaters specifically, you can you can take that approach as well. So uh, my origin story, I'm a native of Thompson, Georgia. It's a really small town uh, in, out nearby Augusta where they play the Masters. I don't know if anyone out here has heard of that. And I grew up a theater kid, band kid. Uh, I didn't really play sports a lot. Uh, I was really always into the arts, really passionate about drawing in particular and uh, music as well. Although I didn't really know what part of music I love. But um, I just knew that I always wanted to do something with music and art as well. So when I graduated high school, I moved to Atlanta, attended Georgia State for a few years and graduated uh, with a degree in media entrepreneurship. Uh, We did a a bunch of different stuff from like uh, VR and game production to graphic design and um, a bit of sound design as well, really just kind of preparing us for an entrepreneurial career in the digital world, uh, which it took me a while to figure out exactly what I wanted to do in college, uh, as I'm sure like every college kid knows. But I was blessed to be able to um, change my major a couple of times. I know everybody can't just do that, but I had some time to kind of you know, try things out and figure out that I didn't want to major in music and sing uh, like opera songs for hours a day. And I knew that I didn't want to just major in business and learn how to sit in a cubicle uh, for hours on end. Um, And then I found our Creative Media Industry Institute. Um, We had a bunch of different majors under that, which was pretty much areas in between where uh, you weren't all the way an artist and you weren't all the way business savvy, but you wanted to learn a bunch of different skills in both areas. And I found that and I was able to use that to pursue opportunities in graphic design uh, and sound design as well, uh, mostly in the freelance. And so I've done a lot of work with different artists as far as audio engineering goes, and then a lot of work with different businesses doing their stationary and logos and all kinds of graphics for them. And uh, that's been my passion so far. And I just recently moved to Seattle. My partner had the opportunity to start a business out here. And because all the work I do is pretty much freelance and I can do it from anywhere um, in the world, in the U.S., uh, I decided to up and move out here with her um, and just start this new adventure out here. And I just happened to come upon mirror stage and uh, this is the next big part of my life. So that's my origin story from uh, where I was born up to now. I love the detail. (laughs) I can't top you. Um, I also have to hear you sing opera one day. That's you did that to yourself. (laughs) I am from Houston, Texas, and kind of spent my time between Houston and then San Juan, Puerto Rico, where my dad is from. And I have two parents and a brother, and my mom is a fifth grade teacher. She was a fifth grade teacher for most of her life, at least, and now she's 65 and on to better things, different things. (laughs) Um, My dad is a professional running dude. He, um, He was a marathon coach, and he worked at a running store and just a whole, whole slew of running things, and what I discovered as a kid, I think is that I hate running was kind of my first 
big discovery. <laughs> and so I needed to love something else as much as he loved running so as to make him proud of me. And so I became a big old art freak, which for me, I think that was was dance for a long time. It was ballet. I was almost on point. And then I started getting injured just all the time. I had a, a good old phase of my life where I was just like breaking every bone in my body just every other day who knows and um so that that kind of led me away from dance for a little bit and opened up my eyes to everything else art but i ended up coming to seattle about 5 years ago i transferred college i used to i went to school in st louis missouri for 1 year um studying theater directing and luckily realized in time I don't know what that means, but in time to not spend a lot of money on that, that I was not ready to be so specific for what I wanted as my goals and that I was actually only like 19 years old and <laughs> was not ready to study something so intensive. And I transferred over to a school here in Seattle and studied something super vague called original work. Who knows? Um, and just kind of was able to really expand my understanding of the creative process and what that means to me. And I think that's what's led me to where I am now. I'm with Mirror Stage and I'm so happy about it. Um, and I am studying to become an art therapist and mental health counselor now. Um, and in my meantime, I hang out in my house here and I have, we have two cats. Um, their names are Aoife and Lady Macadamia or Damia or Dame or Dardar. And they're the loves of my life. And that's that's how I got right here. <laughs> Um, going back to opera, I think I'll have to talk to Suzanne and maybe you can do like the uh, gala intermission. Maybe they'll do some, some freestyle right. opera. <laughs> Why didn't that come up during prep for that gala? Well, I just totally <laughs> forgot, but we still have time. You guys, we still have time. <laughs> I also just want to comment on, I really appreciate that your cat has so many nicknames. My cat too has a lot of nicknames. His name he goes by, it's Nemo, but then sometimes we call him DJ Shitfingers. That's just his nickname. But then sometimes when we're like trying to be more respectful, we call him Dr. Shitfingers. I don't know. I don't know where it came from. It started a few years ago and it's just stuck now. <laughs> but I was like getting back to our conversation. This goes into a little bit that everybody's already doing a great job of like sharing about themselves and I love this and so I'm curious too with all these different kinds of creativity backgrounds you have what does storytelling mean to you uh so for me storytelling is uh, a big part of who I am uh because so we meet my family we have an annual not an annual but a weekly Sunday zoom so a lot of a lot of our history and what happens like happens through word of mouth, you know, and we continue that tradition right now through Zoom. But before that, it was always just like just hanging out, having a family re a reunion or just at grandma's house or at an auntie's house. And we'd always tell these stories and just like pass on like legends, basically, and in, um, in the family. And, you know, we don't have any of the pictures or uh, nothing written down of a lot of that stuff. A lot of it's just word of mouth. So it's up to us and like my generation and generations after us to keep telling these stories just to make sure our family name is goes on and um, that they know everything that we grew up with, my generation, that the future generations don't lose that, you know. So I think that's a very important part of storytelling, just 
oral tradition and passing on your own personal cultures. And then as far as uh, media storytelling, I've always been, you know, like I said, I always love art and music, but I think my biggest reason for loving it is expression. You know, I've never been able to just tell people how I really feel about a lot of stuff. I've always kind of held back and kind of never said exactly how I was feeling. But like, if I write a song, I can say exactly what I want to say. Maybe not even in words that everybody will understand it, but I'll say it so I can express myself and mean it and tell the story that I want to tell through art as well. I can just make an image and, you know, to everybody else, it might mean something different. But to me, it's a story that I want to tell. Um, and I believe as a creative storytelling, everything you do should be, it should tell a story. You know, it should have a point. It should have some kind of conflict and rising action, all those things that we learn. You know, they that's one thing they didn't teach us for no reason in school is how to build a story uh, because it's a and very important part of almost everyday life, just being able to express yourself creatively and um, pass along your traditions. Yeah, I, I love what you said about family stories. And I really, I didn't originally think about that as an answer, but that is such an answer for me as well. For my family, it's a lot of just tall tales and spins on things and exaggerations. Um, I have no idea what's actually true. Um, <laughs> like you're saying all these like beautiful legends and passing down the the history and the tradition. And that's so beautiful. And my family has always been making up completely wild tales and telling them to each other. And I think that is um, deeply a part of me and has kind of carried it's, it's carried my own lens as I see art as well in a really big way. My mom used to, she, or I guess it was my mom's best friend's mom did this and it, it made my mom do it as well. Go to like Goodwill and get pictures of people, you know, presumably those that have passed on and write a letter as if it was their life story and just put it behind the frame in the pictures. You could just walk around and open up the frame and read this completely fake story about people. But (laughs) I think that that has also deeply influenced what storytelling means to me. Because to me, storytelling is just authentic, sometimes incomprehensible, small moments. And for me, that does have a lot to do with honesty, unlike my family. But I think um, just those honest, intimate moments are kind of the core of storytelling for me. And that translates to art, to visual art. That translates to just like a single stroke on a page, I think, can be a story. And sometimes the story is in the process of creating it and not so much in the product. And I think that's really important to me when it comes to storytelling as well. But ultimately, I just think storytelling is just the most human thing that you can possibly do. I think it's the one thing that is completely unique to humans is the ability to create a story, retell a story, hear a story and experience a story. So I want to spend my life enjoying that. I just had a follow-up just thinking about this because again, this is another one of those questions that we ask our guests and it's the core of what Mirror Stage is and what Mirror Stage does. But when I hear the word storytelling, I think about like, you know, back in the days of Homer, people standing you know, in the middle of somewhere surrounded by people sharing a story. And it 
it makes me think about like, I wonder how impactful those stories were versus like when you hear a story from like a family member. I think it's fascinating, like the imagination, how it runs with the words and creates the imagery. And I just was just pondering, like, is there a deeper connection when you know the person telling the story versus like when it's a stranger? Like, how does that affect you and what does that do to you and what kind of images does that create? That's just me. Just I just wanted to share that because I thought that was interesting. So, okay, we're getting on this and I I have a follow-up for you, Sian, once we respond to this other question, but obviously we all come from like artistic backgrounds of sorts. And so I want to know for each of you, what first got you interested in theater specifically as a, this, that particular art form? So I think I got interested in theater literally from looking at the stage itself and wanting to be on it. Like, and I was a shy kid. I even there's pictures of my mom holding my head in front of uh, our church because I couldn't just stand up there and talk in front of them without like shaking and like or crying or who God knows what kids used to do back then. But like, I wanted to be up there, you know. And even to this day, like I was have to talk in front of some people and I might like shake or wiggle a little bit not that they can notice it but I'll feel it um and now I know it's because I'm like a little anxious all the time but like then I just thought it I was shy um but I would still just push myself to be in front of people all, all the time even in pre-k I was in uh this little production we had for our pre-k graduation and then from that I knew like if I if I could be on the stage doing anything, whether it's playing an instrument or uh, singing in chorus or um, acting, I, I wanted to do it. Uh, and I fell in love with it. And I really do miss uh, being able to perform in front of people. It's something I haven't done in a pretty long time uh, outside of music. I miss like acting and memorizing lines and blocking and stuff like that, that I haven't done since I left high school. So uh, it really just fascinates me uh, being able to push myself through my anxiety and then being able to make people smile and see their reactions and uh, get the applause at the end of the night as well. Yeah, that's so beautiful. For me, I think, I mean, in a practical sense, what got me interested in theater was kind of what I mentioned before, but like literally I just, I kept on getting injured and I was a dancer was like kind of my, my key thing. And I think, but my other key thing was writing and I, I loved writing fictional stories in class. I would like do the embarrassing stand in front of the class and read what you wrote over the weekend thing weekly for my classmates. Um, but, um, When I, my dance studio that I was a part of since I was a little, little, little kid, it got kind of a a theater company started to house itself in the same building in the same studio. And so I went to go see one of the things that they put on and my brain just kind of exploded with joy because it was dance and writing at once. And it was visual art and everything that I loved was coming into play at once. And I think I think that's what got me interested in theater, but it's also what keeps me coming back to theater time and time again, no matter how incredibly frustrated I can get with it sometimes. Um, I find myself coming back because it's during the process of working on a production, you get to truly engage with every single art form. 
And I can't think of many other spaces where you can just engage with artists of all kind and stretch yourself to engage with a different art form that maybe you haven't tried yet. And it, you know, it isn't just acting, it's visual art and it's music and it's original music and it's composition and it's so many things all at once. And I think that that's what got me hooked. And literally it was a production of Susical the Musical <laughs> that got me hooked. Sorry, I, is there more with that? <laughs> like, with were the you musical, in the musical? Did you okay, see no, Susical? I, <laughs> <laughs> I went to see a production of Susical the Musical. Um, yeah, of course, there's more, there's always more to Susical the Musical stories. Um, I went to go see it multiple times. I kept on going back. <laughs> it was a little bit embarrassing. I, I kept on seeing the show because I just thought it was so magical. I was in Susical eventually. It, took me, I think, five years, but I finally was in a production of Susical, which was exactly as magical as you can imagine. <laughs> that is great. I've never seen Susical. Have you all? Have everybody else seen Susical? I, I, I know it's like a super common one that's around all the time. So I'm really just surprised I haven't seen it. Would that show qualify as like Seattle Children's Theater? Like I, I imagine they would have done it or could do it. And so now I'm extra surprised that I haven't, haven't seen it there. But I don't know. I know. As you say that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that does sound like something they would do. Or even like a summer camp situation, you know? Sienna, are there, are there pictures from this performance that you did that you will be sharing with us all one of these days? Um, Kiki, there are no pictures of me at all, actually, through all <laughs> <of> history. <laughs> I'm sorry to inform you that we will need a picture of your face for the website. <laughs> I just like this idea that Jen's like, there are no pictures of me that exist. <laughs> Okay, going back to Mirror Stage, can you tell us a little bit about your first experience with Mirror Stage or like your first, because Ty, I know it's a little different for you because like Sien, I know that you have worked on a Mirror Stage show. So can you tell me, yeah, a little bit about your first experience with Mirror Stage or if you have not really had one yet, tell me a little bit about what you're anticipating looking forward to. I think maybe uh, you should start with that one to the end. Yeah, I can start. My first experience, as you alluded to, was a bit more straightforward. I was a playwright. I was commissioned to write a play for the Expand Upon series on gun control. And I had never heard of Mirror Stage before that point. I had been living here for, I guess, just like three years. So I got an email all of a sudden asking me if I wanted to be a playwright for this company. And I said, well, absolutely. And I had no idea whatsoever what I was going to write. And yeah, eventually I wrote a play and it was a weird one. It was very much me. It was exactly how I wanted to write that play. So I think it was a very special experience because if you were able to see that play, you might recall it was pretty pretty satirical, pretty over the top. And I think when I first got the ask to write a play about gun control, I read the implication that maybe the play would need to be kind of a talking piece and a bit more conservative in nature, but I took the risk and just wrote it as myself anyway. And I was not told no, not once. And I think that was a really special experience that Mirror Stage truly wants to hear stories they truly want to open up conversations and hear all sides of it and have 
an authentic, which we know I love in art experience. And that's, yeah, that was my first experience. I think one big thing that I'm looking forward to uh, with Mirror Stage is being able to see one of the Expand Upon shows, especially climate change is something that I'm uh, not like passionate about. I'm not out here like canvassing and stuff like that. But, you know, I care about our earth and the fact like where I grew up, there would never be a show about climate change or gun control or racism. God forbid racism. Like they would burn the place down wherever it is and not to say like i love my hometown don't get me wrong but it's the south you know like there's some stuff they're just not or weren't equipped for and not prepared for and i think being able to work with mayor stage it's gonna open up my eyes and inform me about different sides about stuff that i'm not too informed about uh, especially gun control like i've always been kind of afraid of guns i've shotguns before for recreation but i'd love to know more um and i think mirror stage will not only open me up to being able to see shows and get entertained um as well as informed at the same time but also be able to connect me with people in these different fields and uh expand my network uh professionally and creatively as well um and i think both of those two aspects are the biggest things i'm looking forward to from mirror stage yeah, I'm I'm so stoked for in-person shows again for Mirror Stage specifically. It's going to be epic. Um, and I, I just want to echo what you were saying, Tycarius, about learning so much. It, it's I, like what I've learned in the time working here on all of these different like issues and everything. It's been amazing. My eyes have been open. My mind has been opened. That's what I admire about Mirror Stage. Join Mirror Stage December 18th for our fun and festive second annual Holiday Hollywood Squares, free and live streamed to YouTube. If you're enjoying this podcast and would like to support it and other Mirror Stage programming, you can make a tax-deductible donation via our website, mirrorstage.org, or text Play It Smart to 206 206- 888-6477. That's 206-888-MIRR. Sam, I just wanted to, to ask, like, when you told about, like, what storytelling meant to you and, like, how it's kind of influenced your art, I, I, I see that absolutely 1,000% in the play that you wrote in My Good Christian Neighborhood. And I love that you brought, you took that risk of, like, okay, we have a very serious talking piece which was the counterpart to your piece but you went ahead and went all the way with the humor and the satiricalness and the the abstract but I wanted to know not being familiar with more of your work if that's like a style that you use often or if that was kind of a one-off thing yeah that's a good question and I I ask myself that too in my life in the ways that I think, I think that is exactly how I view the world. Not exactly. I don't actually view the world in that way, but I think that I I do see things in a more vibrant way than they may be in reality. And I incorporate that ideology into my art in general. Um, But that being said, a lot of my plays are, I don't know, my mind is coming to, my mind is jumping to a play that I wrote that is very far from that style that I love just as much. Um, That is a like queer intergenerational 
nonlinear meditation on Gertrude Stein and string theory and strings themselves. And it's, it's a weird one for sure. But that being said, it's like a cry ball experience more than a laugh at things that you don't know if you should be laughing at experience. So I think that to answer your question, kind of, but I think the style and the form of every piece that I work on is shaped by the content of it. And the content of that piece was just asking to break the form in those specific ways. So cryball, is that a new subgenre that I need to be aware of? Yeah, absolutely. Not not that new. I maybe you've read Tennessee Williams. <laughs> got it. Got it. Mm. All right. I just want to hop in and say cryball is also the name of my email band. So just so you know. Your email um, band? Emo. Band? Emo band. It's my email band. Wait. Kiki, you're in a band or is this no! a band that you're <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> oh, I love I this. Know. I'm sorry. I know the time difference is late. Just everybody knows. <laughs> I'm gullible. I was taking everything you were saying for real. Like, and I was like, why hasn't this come up before? You're you're hiding so much. <laughs> anyway, so we're talking about mirror stage. We've talked about storytelling obviously you know your staff members now so you're familiar with the mission but I'm just going to share it here to help you answer this next question. Mir Stage uses the power of storytelling to challenge assumptions, bias, and prejudice, increasing equity and inclusion while encouraging more thoughtful reflection on today's issues and so we wanted to know what do you connect with the most about the mission statement? For me um challenging assumptions is uh, a big part of my everyday life i feel especially out here for those who are listening i'm an african-american male with dreadlocks and there's not a lot of people like me out where i live and in my head when i'm out in public when i think of what people see me they see that first you know and i feel like they're gonna like hear my music, which is too loud. Like I make music, everything. My music is always gonna be too loud. I'm a musician. They're gonna hear my music and see me and I feel like they're gonna judge me. And I feel like anytime anybody would just, if they talk to me, it's gonna immediately not be what they assume. And I feel like that's been a big part of my identity since I've been younger and even growing up now when I was in Georgia and even coming out here, uh, that's always the forefront of my identity. And I'm not saying that everybody just judges me because of that. You know, I don't want to like play a victim or anything, but I also don't want to like give them a reason to look at me and think anything. Uh, And so a big, a big part of it is just <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want them to assume that I'm just a stereotypical, you know, per- black person and I'm not, but I also don't want to give into the idea that there is a stereotypical black person, you know? So I think there's different sides to assumptions and challenging it. And even just reading that and hearing the mission, it just made me think about it. Like what that even means. I don't even think I've heard that phrase before I read Mirror Stage's mission statement, challenging assumptions, um, and just thinking about what it means to challenge the assumption um, and look at what everybody else thinks of you and 
be something completely different. Um, I think I connect the most with that and uh, it intrigues me the most out of the mission statement. And I really look forward to talking about it and expanding upon uh, how we challenge it and how other people challenge their own assumptions in everyday life. I love what you said. And I was also much drawn to the phrase of challenging assumptions. And I think for me, it also does kind of come from a personal place. I'm a queer person. I'm in a visibly queer relationship. I'm also from the South. I'm from Texas. That's a part of my identity that got violently pushed down really at a young age. And now when I go back and it's with my partner and people see us out in the world and we got weird colored hair and tattoos and we are exactly what you think we are when you look at us, honestly, in a lot of ways, without the negative connotations that come with the the worldview that's been instilled upon a lot of the people living in the South. And so I think it's been a moment of joy and of reclamation of my own identity visiting again. Um, and my mom lives in Arkansas now, central Arkansas, and similar, honestly, though. And it's been... It is. It has taken a narrative that came from originally a place of, like I said, violently being suppressed, and it's making, it's given myself the opportunity to challenge the assumption that that is my own narrative by challenging other people's assumption of what it means to be queer. And beyond that point, though, I am just a person who loves to ask questions. I am a person who loves to not take the first answer that I hear as the final answer. Um, and I've always been like that. I'm sorry to my elementary school teachers. Sorry to my mom. Love you. I know she loves that. But I think that including something like challenging assumptions in your mission statement opens the door to creating work that is not just intended to please, that's not just intended to sell a ticket. It opens up the door for actual growth to occur. It opens up the door for the evolution of the way that we think about things. And that is very key to my own, I guess, professional mission statement. I mentioned earlier, I'm training to become an art therapist and mental health counselor. And that stems from a place of starting to feel like my work in the theater doesn't necessarily impact the real world, kind of lives lives in a bubble that's outside of reality. And knowing that I create theater in order to have these conversations in order to progress our assumptions, change our assumptions, change our biases, recognize our biases. Yet so often I produce a piece of theater and I don't feel like any of that happens. So I think that that's kind of what has led me into working in a more practical field, a field that I can affect people on a day-to-day basis in a larger way. But I think mirror stage kind of fits that middle of the Venn diagram of the thing that I love and the thing that I know I have to do you know, not like have to as a, as a chore, but have to, because I feel it in my soul that this is a thing that I am meant to do if that exists. And I just think that mirror stage leaves us the opportunity to be kids and play and create theater. Like we love to do while creating conversations that need to happen because nobody should feel like because of the color of their skin and their dreadlocks, they're being judged or the volume of their music because that's the environment that we've created in this city and in other cities. And if we don't have these conversations and challenge these assumptions in an active way, nothing's going to change. And having been to expand upon events now myself and like seeing the conversations that take place, people are willing to challenge each other in those spaces in a way that I don't see in the rest of Seattle. And I just think that 
the willingness of Mirror Stage to kind of defrost the Seattle freeze, if you will, by having these conversations is just really inspiring. And it, it makes, like I said, it makes it part of my own professional mission statement. I'm so glad that you're on the team, Sian, because hearing that just makes me happy for you and happy for us. Like it's a win-win situation and your work in art therapy. Like I love that idea and didn't even really know that that was a thing that could be a thing, but I don't know if you know Tegan Parker, but we had him on the show in July and he does improv for wellness. And he did this exercise with us that I can't really describe it, but I was starting to see that the theater work, the theater, you know, games as we call them, can really be tools for self-discovery and self-expression. And those kinds of results just lead to happier people mentally and physically and stuff like that. And so I was like, this is the thing. And like, people are doing these things. And so that, that made me just really jazzed. I was like, this is awesome. So I'm so glad that you are also doing that kind of work. Thanks. <laughs> I love that. And yeah, I think that's completely the truth. And when people are feeling their most joyful and the most themselves, that's when they're able to show up to these conversations to let change happen. And I'm also thinking about too, like what your commenter is saying, Hazel, about kind of this work, this like creativity and improv for mental wellness and these ideas that like we have to show up in these spaces at, like as our best selves. And I think the conversation about mental health and mental wellness has really been opened up uh, after everything that went down in 2020 because everybody was realizing what the isolation was doing to themselves, whether that was I live in my studio apartment and like I couldn't leave my house versus like, oh, you lived in a house full of people but you still can leave your house, things like that. So just these conversations are getting opened up more and more about mental wellness and mental health and how arts really can help and impact that in a positive way. So this is just really exciting. And Sienna, I look forward to hearing more information about that. And we can chat more about some of the stuff I do with kids with autism outside of here. Because yeah, it's a lot of arts-based stuff. And I know I know what school you went to because we went to the same undergrad. <laughs> and, and it's like, there's a lot in there, I think, that we learned and that was discussed about art for change and like theater as a tool. But then you graduate and then you go out and you're like, but everybody's doing the same plays. Everybody's having the same five actors on stage who are doing the exact same thing. Why are we doing the same season? Why are we still doing these plays that are not conducive to our surroundings and to the changing world? So yeah, so I really like this conversation. We're already starting to get in about assumptions and kind of challenging them, which leads me to my next question regarding your work in theater or in the arts. What are some assumptions that you have noticed that you have had to challenge? Please take your time. There's no rush on that question. That question, um, I kind of took in a, or I'm taking right now in a more literal practical sense, I think, as like my work as a theater practitioner, what have I done? <laughs> and that's something that I am very passionate about. And I think that's another thing that keeps me coming back and existing in the room is because I recognize so many moments of imperialism in the theater that I just completely want to tackle and destroy and how I've done that. Um, I, I think one of the biggest things that I am 
like standing up for to end in the world of theater is uh, the freaking schedule and the just inequitable schedules that we are forced to uphold by working in the theater that the unpaid hours and the inability to work certain jobs and the inability to have any amount of time for self-care. That's something that I've been speaking up against. I also work as a casting director at a theater company in Seattle. And something that I did as soon as I was able to actually put out a casting call at that theater company was change everything about what we were asking for from actors. Because I think one of the biggest moments of colonialism and casting is the recognition of a green actor for our listeners. I'm doing some um, air quotes right now, a green actor, um, essentially, you know, like in any field, the person that's not trained formally, but maybe has potential and we don't cast them because it might be hard to talk to them. Um, So I am not into that. I think I want my work to challenge that kind of assumption that there's a certain kind of person that can succeed, that there's a certain level of training and money that you needed to put into it in order to be successful in this field or any artistic field. Practically what that meant is for any casting director listening, get rid of headshots. We can say fuck headshots. There we go. Fuck the three minute monologue, all of that. Fuck the (laughs) having to like provide certain information about your work schedule or not having a space to speak up if you're light sensitive and you're going to be exposed to flashing lights in the room. I just think that the ingrained injustice that exists within the world and the industry of theater is run so deep that I am just not happy about it. Um, As a playwright, I do want my work to bring topics that I care about to the table. I want my work to be able to start these conversations. I mean, my hope is that every play that I write could have been an expand upon play because I just think that there is no use in telling stories to the public eye if that work is not intended to progress our values as a society. And so I guess ultimately I have noticed a deep, deep, deep throbbing vein of colonialism deep in the theater in the form of disability injustice, racial injustice, socioeconomic injustice, gender injustice, sexuality injustice. Like it's, it's bad. It's bad. And I'm sure every field that you get up close and intimate with feels unjust due to, you know, the everything of our society. But I hope that since this is a field that I am able to work in up close and personal, I'm able to shift some of our viewpoints and levels of quote unquote success, because ultimately we're all just hanging out on this rock, hurling through space, and there's really no right way to do things and no one's getting out of here alive. So let's just have a good time. (laughs) I completely agree. And uh, just to harp on what you said about the colonialism in the industry, that's one of the big assumptions that I would want to aim to tackle and get rid of just because even now looking at, I would like apply for stuff on backstage. And that's one medium that a lot of people use to find extra roles and stuff like that. And I'd look for roles, but there's just a very limited amount of things for people of color to be on there. And I can only imagine what it's like for other people who don't fit the bill, uh, especially as far as disabilities go and, you know, what sexuality you are, you know? And I feel like 
it's very it's very unjust right now. Um, and I haven't done a lot of work in theater specifically, but that's just one big thing that, you know, I touched on it a little earlier about being Black and not wanting to be judged, but I just feel like it should be equal and fair for everybody. Everybody should have the same kind of opportunities, the same access to every opportunity. And that's one thing I hope that I can try to put my hand towards while I'm working with Mirror Stage. It's funny, there's that phrase, assumptions, they make an ass out of you and me. But for some reason, you know, like you were saying, Sian, the whole thing, the whole everything was society because we are a part of it. We came from it. It has horrible backgrounds and foundations, but it's it's this flaw that we have in ourselves. But it's, uh, you know, it's the recognition of the flaw is the first step to working it out. So let's hope we can do that. I believe that is all the questions we have for you. Unless there's anything anybody else wants to share about anything that they want our audience to know about you. They've learned a lot so far. <laughs> I feel like I'm kind of, there's one of my favorite quotes from the movie Shrek is ogres have layers. And I feel like I'm, I'm kind of like Shrek, you know, I have a lot of layers. I feel like there's a lot I haven't said, but as you know, the upcoming podcast producer, you, you know, our audience will get to learn a lot more about me. And you have heard a lot about me personally, but I just feel like it'll be better for our, our listeners uh, if you peel back my layers one episode at a time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's going to be that's going to inform season three for sure. That was the best thing. You could have said that was the best thing anyone could have said. I have nothing to add. <laughs> favorite quote? I know. I was like, uh, you don't have your favorite Shrek quote wrote offhand? Oh, it has to be a Shrek quote. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> don't do that to me. I'm so bad at that. Um, the entire script of School of Rock is how I'm living my life today and every day since I was in like the third grade. That has changed me. That's acceptable, Sian. We'll, we'll take that. You guys, like, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for being a part of Mirror Stage. I can't wait to work with you more. And I'm super excited for each of you and for Mirror Stage and for the gala. And yeah. Thank you both for being here with us. And as we we're talking about these layers, letting us know a little bit more about you and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how we all work in the future, like how this all can be culminated in like something cool, because we all do different kind of artsy things. Yeah, thanks for having us. This has been very nice. I was very nervous, but it wasn't so nerve wracking after all. And I'm also excited to see what we bring to it together, all of us. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely wonderful talking to you guys and getting to be on this side of the interview and this side of the podcast before hopping into the other side and asking all the questions. Uh, I think uh, I definitely look forward to getting to know you all uh, behind the scenes of everything for sure. I just really enjoyed that, you know, like it's, <laughs> I'm like, why, why do I have to be in Colorado? Like I really want to be you know, in a room with creatives again. So that definitely sucks a little bit, but I really enjoy hearing where they both came from and 
like what's influenced them and you know I know like Tycharius is saying all the layers and stuff you know that's just that's just the beginning but I also love what you can learn from other people just just by hearing about how they see the world I enjoy that because that opens up my eyes just a little bit every time you have a human interaction you know or you hear a story from someone you know it all circles back it's about opening up and learning more and and challenging those assumptions yeah I really enjoyed this it did seem because you know since we're all on staff together and we've had like a few interactions doing things but it's been a lot of like business we got to get ready for our next production. We got to make sure we're getting Tycheria set up for podcast producing, just these kind of things. So it's good to just have a chat with them and be like, who are you? What do you like to do? What are these things? And it, it felt nice, like a little like after work hang. That's what it felt like. So that was cool. And I always just think it's fascinating that like Suzanne has found such a good group. Like we have more people coming on staff, but she has really taken her time to find us all. And it's just really interesting to me how there's a lot of similarities between us all with some of the, just the different things that we have and that we enjoy regarding storytelling and regarding theater and just the way that we all mash up is awesome. It's like, um, yeah, Avengers, a symbol. Should I start with our call to action? Yeah, I guess so. Sorry, I was trying to find, figure out a segue sometimes. <laughs> Not, it's not happening tonight. <laughs> we don't need a segue. They know. We know. They know what happens. Yeah. So with our call to action, this is just a reminder of November is a good time to check out a food bank, drop off some extra food that you might have, or learn about the other ways that you can help participate in any anything related to food. It's always just heightened on my on my mind in November because usually that's a lot when you'll see in the grocery stores the like, hey, get this five dollar bag of food and you can donate it to this food bank, stuff like that. But there is a group called the Seattle Food Committee. And it's a combination of members representing food programs, serving those in need of food in Seattle. And they work with food distributors and other services uh, are provided to coordinate and maximize the efficiency of Seattle's emergency food system. So you can check out their website and you can see a map of where your closest donation center is. And you can also learn about other ways that you can help to end childhood hunger in the Seattle area. And I will post a link to that in the show notes as always. But it's pretty cool because... There are some really interesting things that are going on. Sorry, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I have, I don't know if anyone else has heard about in Ballard, there's now a food bank that has set it up that it, it looks like a grocery store. So like two days a week, you can just go in like it's a grocery store with like a cart and just go through and get what you want. You don't have to worry about like showing up and just getting a box of random stuff. You can go through and pick what you need. And I just... I think that's amazing. And it, it goes back to what we're talking about, about like access and how to normalize these things and decolonize all of these things. So yeah, that's another way that you can help check out the Seattle Food Committee. That is excellent news. Like, what a game changer. You said you saw it in Ballard. I'm just curious, is that like, is that a P&W thing? Is it a Washington thing? It has just started like this is all very brand new so I think it is only in the Ballard one but if I am mistaken please email me and let me know and I will shout out where other people can find this in other places around Seattle 
But I think it's just starting in the Seattle one. So they're going to see kind of how it goes and how it works. And then they're going to branch out. Also, there's like a cafe in there. I need to send you this information because it's really cool. They also have like a little cafe so that you could just go get your groceries, have a cup of coffee and just hang out and like not have to worry about any of this stigmatization around needing to have access to food. Well, yeah. And then you're just in a you're in a safe space, too. Mm -hmm. So listeners. I didn't know this things I'm learning, you know, November is national native American heritage month. And so I thought I'd ask y'all to, you know, do the mirror stage thing, engage with your surroundings and challenge yourself a little bit more by taking time to learn more about the first people of turtle Island. And I know that sounds random, but I read this article today in my research and actually a, a lot, a majority of indigenous people refer to either planet earth uh, or North America as turtle Island. That was something I didn't know, but I just found two really, really excellent ways to just kind of learn more and, and to broaden, you know, perspective, because then that's how you change your opinion on things. So both are through the Smithsonian Institution via the National Museum of the American Indian. There is a virtual museum-like gallery tour experience titled Why We Serve Native Americans in the United States Armed Forces. I was going through that today, and there's a ton of history, a ton of amazing photographs. And I'm a very visual learner, so I need to connect imagery with the words and whatnot. And then the other one also through the Smithsonian Institute is the Native Cinema Showcase. And it's an annual celebration of the best Native film. And this year's showcase focuses on Native people boldly exerting themselves through language, healing, building community, and a continued relationship with the land. All of these are free online on demand. Uh, I'll have the link in the show notes, of course. There'll be a couple more days availability for them. This showcase goes through the 18th obviously the gala it's this month mm -hmm. we are start the countdown and get your tickets and we're in the shows i am in the show now officially officially welcome <laughs> i know i need to start reading the scripts <sighs> yep so that i've I been reading them and i've been copying and pasting them all into one giant place <laughs> I'm super jealous. You just, <laughs> yeah, you're just getting that, that work done because you have to do that work anyway. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Do some Zoom play action, do some Zoom home partying. It'll be a good time. So listeners, we will see you there. Yep. There's still time. So get some tickets and... Yeah, and I was going to say with that, this is this is the end. I'm looking forward to next month because you will be hearing Ty ask questions and do some reflections and call to actions and all the things. I'm assuming Hazel will still be here to keep us roped in. <laughs> yeah, oh totally. I I'm the I'm the what do you call the wrangler? Yeah. Yes. I'll be here. No worries. I got you. <laughs> If you like what you've heard and would like to support this podcast or other Mirror Stage programming, you can donate at our website, mirrorstage.org, or text Play It Smart to 206 888 6477. 
we would like to acknowledge that we are on the traditional land of the first people of Seattle, the Duwamish and Coast Salish people, past and present, and honor with gratitude the land itself and the Duwamish and Coast Salish tribes. This program is supported in part by a grant from the Washington State Arts Commission and the National Endowment of the Arts. Thank you.